Welcome to the English with Kirsty podcast from www.englishwithkirsty.com. Here I'll be sharing with you tips, information and other learning resources so that you can improve your business English. And welcome to episode 169 of the English with Kirsty podcast. And today I'm going to be talking about using another language at work. So this isn't a specific English tips um, episode, although it can be. It can be any language you're using at work that isn't your native language. But it's more about the, the practicalities of doing that and some of the lessons that I've learned as somebody who works in another language as well, because I can help people by teaching them English. That's my main job. But I can also help because I've actually been there and done it and am doing it. I'm not just telling you how to do something. I'm doing that thing as well because I use another language at work all the time. I do a lot of work with German speakers. Um, some of that is teaching English. Some of it is um, translation work, for example, or negotiating how a project's going to work before we actually start it. So a lot of those conversations happen in German. So I am using a language that isn't my native language at work. And because of that, I feel it, it helps me when I'm working with people who use English at work because we may have different problems, we may have different struggles, but I know some of the things that they feel because um, I have the same issues myself. I'm not just sitting here in my classroom telling people how to do something that I never have to do myself. And I think that because of that, that, that means I can connect with my learners a bit more and sometimes understand the struggles that they face and hopefully find some solutions to those struggles as well, because they're things that have worked for me and maybe they'll work for my podcast listeners or my customers too. So if this is the kind of thing that interests you, I have done a couple of similar episodes as well. They're not exactly the same. Um, we had an episode about what to do if you're the only non-native speaker in a team, because that brings its own challenges with it. That was episode 104. I'll link it in the show notes, but it's episode 104. Um, so if you are in a team where you're the only non-native speaker, that might be useful for you, uh, because I've done that as well. And... There's also episode 65, which was about if people are unkind about your English. That could be a work thing, that could be a school thing even, but you know, sometimes people are really encouraging, sometimes they're not. Um, and it's good to talk about that because it does happen and what you can do about it. Um, but that's not what I'm looking at today. It's not about being part of a team. It's about the the challenges and the solutions that I've encountered as somebody who wants to use another language at work. So the first one is preparation. So the, the first thing I ever really discovered when I started using German, not just with my friends or people I met online to chat to, is that the massive gap that there is between what you learn at school and what is useful and what is important for working in another language. And I don't know if things are better now. I think they are in some of the, the colleges and the um, higher education schools, uh, from what I've heard from friends in other parts of the world, mainly Germany and, and Switzerland. But I, I don't know how good it is in schools because when I was at school, the things I learned were about um, 
talking about my day, talking about my hobbies, talking about my dog and where I went on holiday. You know, all these things are useful when you start learning a language, but it's not business German. And even when I went on to do A-levels, which is what you do when you're 17, 18, um, it, well, you can do, you don't have to, you can do other things. But um, if you're following a, a more academic route and you want to go to university and um, people generally do do a levels first um but there when i studied german we were talking about things like um history and culture and all very interesting but not useful for business german so things may have changed now but i certainly noticed there was there was a gap between what i needed as somebody who just wanted to communicate generally in german and what i needed for business german how do you write a business letter how do you make your text a bit more formal so that they sound appropriate for the business context and in some ways things have got easier because we have email some of those boundaries are a bit you know the the goalposts have moved a bit because we we can be a bit more informal in emails especially when we know people a bit but when you first make contact with somebody you still want to appear professional um, and not that you're just having a chat so that was one thing that I had to learn um, and part of the the way that I learned that was by observing other people. I was, um, I had some friends who I you know spoke very good German, and sometimes they, um, I just listened to how they communicated when they were having more formal conversations. But there's only so far you can go with that. Um, some people use books. I started reading a lot of articles more kind of business related articles that didn't teach me how to write business emails but it got me thinking about the vocabulary that i'd need um and sometimes i asked for help because if there was something that i wanted to do i remember there was um some advertising that i did quite early on for english with kirsty and it was with a german company so i i asked a german friend to help me with that because I knew I hadn't done it before so sometimes it's it's okay just to ask for help if you think something's important and you don't just want to go alone and hope for the best then there's nothing wrong with asking for help the first time you can't ask for help all the time though because people may not be around to do that so it's good to to build up those skills for yourself but I think you know sometimes just knowing when you need help is, is also a good thing to learn but yeah, the first thing is preparation. So knowing where you are in terms of your language skills and where you want to be. And if you've had um, general English conversation classes, that kind of thing, and then you start to need to write business emails that, that might be different for you, you might find that a bit more challenging um, and you might need to, to bridge that gap in, in your knowledge. Okay, the second thing is absolutely nothing to do with language skills and it was my lack of confidence. And it got me into so many difficult situations because, okay, I, I always talk about this, writing is easy, speaking is not, and on all these times that I didn't speak German because I just wasn't confident. I was worried I would make mistakes. I was worried people would think I was stupid. They probably thought I was more stupid when I never said anything at all than if I tried and, and maybe made a couple of mistakes. But I was convinced that everybody thought I was stupid. And, <laughs> and that was a really paralyzing fear, even though... I knew that I could do most of the things that I was worried about doing. And and still, occasionally that happens now. I don't really think about it when I'm working one-to-one -one with people. But if I have to speak to a larger group, which is usually no problem for me, if I have to do that in German, then oof, don't want to do it. And 
it's understandable. Nobody wants to feel inadequate or that they can't do something, but it's also something that can limit you and limit your potential because if you're standing in your own way, you're not going to get past these, these feelings of insecurity or inadequacy. Um, and the only thing I can really say about this is to, to keep trying. Just don't give up because it does get easier. And I found it, it gets easier. I've been working in English with Kirsty since 2012 now. So that's eight years and it's so much easier now. Um, my beginner courses, we have quite a lot of conversations in German and I explain things in German and it's so much easier. I never thought I'd be able to do this and I can. So I'm not just telling people to go out and do it because, well, because I want them to succeed in that and I think they should. I've, I've been there and I, I've done it. I, I'm still working on some things, but I've definitely worked through those difficulties and it does get easier. So number three is a difficult one and we don't really talk about it much but it's the style. Okay so you can have general styles of communicating for business English or with your friends. We've already talked about that but everybody has their own style of communicating um, and this can be really simple things. We had um, I was managing a forum once and we had this guy who thought it was great fun to create new profiles and be new people and he went to quite a lot of effort with that but I was the one that could identify him because of the way he, he wrote certain things so all his pictures were different, he'd created this whole new persona but I knew who he was because of the way he expressed himself when he wrote. And I was right. And I think <laughs> I think he was quite surprised that somebody would do that. But it's it's possible. We all have our own little quirks. It could be words that we like to use. It could even be mistakes that we make. Um, but we have things that set us out, you know, set us apart from other people because of the way we choose to speak. And that's easier in your native language. You can develop who you want to be. You can change it depending on whom you're with. Um, but we all have our own kind of style. And it can be hard to find this when we are in another language because maybe you're someone who tells jokes a lot but you can't do that in the other language yet. Maybe you're someone who um, likes to give very detailed information but you need a lot more vocabulary to do that in another language so it's hard. So it's it takes a bit of time to develop your own style that's appropriate for the situation that you're in but is also very much your style and, and how you like to communicate and that takes a bit of time I think I think I'm getting better at that now I think sometimes I try to give too much information so that people don't get confused because I'm aware that I'm not a native speaker and sometimes less is more so I still need to work on that um, but I think one of the big dangers here is that you can ask people for help. You can ask three people to look at the same text. I, I don't suggest that you do this because, you know, choose a person and, and go with that. But if you ask three people to look at the same text for you and give you feedback, that they will all give you different feedback. Some will miss massive errors if you're choosing somebody that, that isn't so observant and that isn't so good at proofreading. They, they will miss important things. Other people may really want to try and help, but they they make it their text and it sounds like them and not like you and that isn't a great help because this is the only text possibly that they'll be working with you on and so you've now got something that is supposed to be yours but is more like them and if if the text is really bad to start with maybe maybe that is necessary but sometimes I think in people's um, willingness to help they they can make the thing sound more like they wrote it than you wrote it and that's not really 
you anymore then it's their style not your style so there are two things there's developing your own style in the other language and then there's also thinking wisely about whom you ask for help who's going to really help you and who's going to either miss important things that you do need to fix or who's going to change it beyond recognition so that it's not really your work anymore um, which also isn't isn't ideal um, and sometimes this can also be a good thing because like sometimes when I read German business correspondence I think that's just so much unnecessary stuff <laughs> there's so many words and I don't know it people may think it, it sounds nice but sometimes it doesn't really get to the point so sometimes being a non-native speaker can help to cut through all the unnecessary words but that's really something you have to to judge on an individual basis so number four is not being taken seriously whether it's because you feel you're not being taken seriously or you really aren't being taken seriously because you are a non-native speaker and you feel or are told that oh you made some mistakes and therefore what you're saying doesn't carry as much weight um that's hard especially if you're somebody that's used to feeling really eloquent and being able to say exactly what you want in your native language and then you have another language and, and you feel that you can't do that as well um, I think it's something you need to be aware of if you're somebody who feels like that then is it is it real like I've been in situations where people have said to my face oh well you're not a native speaker so you probably don't understand what's going on in this meeting and, and that was really rude because I, I did understand and I, I did disagree and what I had to say was just as valid so sometimes it's real but more often than not it's perceived like we think oh maybe people will think this about me and and most of the time they're not they're thinking about themselves or what they're going to have for dinner they're not looking for every mistake that you make so with this it's good to, to find out what is real and what is that you're concerned about because then it goes back to the confidence thing rather than the the language ability thing Number five is kind of tied into number one about the the types of language that you'll use, but it's vocabulary. Um, sometimes you will start talking about something and you realize that some of the really basic, fundamental, important words you need are just not there in your head because you've never known them. Um, it's not a business example, but I was in Austria with some friends. We went on a skiing holiday and then somebody ended up in hospital and I went along. Um, the staff in this particular hospital didn't speak particularly good English. And so I went to translate and to try and help there. And I realized that I was at my limits as well because some of the medical vocabulary was stuff that I'd never seen before. I didn't know that much about it in English and I certainly didn't know about it in German. So I had to, I, I remember even making the doctor laugh because I had to, to make the question we wanted to ask a lot simpler, like a, a child may have asked it, not not an adult. Um, and we got there in the end, he, he explained what I wanted to know and, and everything was fine. But the point was, I knew I'd reached my limit there because I'd never talked about this medical stuff in German before and I've, I've never had to again. Um, but if you come across these situations, they will happen sometimes. You'll get into a topic of conversation, you just don't know the right words. But if you are going to be speaking about something specific, um, or if you're going to have some training delivered in English, or if you are starting a new project or working with a different type of client that you haven't worked with before, 
it's sometimes good to think, okay, is there anything that could come up in this meeting or this conversation that is going to be completely new ground for me in, in terms of the vocabulary? Because then you've got, you're taking control of the situation and you've got the opportunity to do some research, find out what that vocabulary is, find out how people talk about this particular subject in English, um, maybe look at a couple of articles on the subject just to get a feel for the language in this particular area. You can't always prepare for it because sometimes you have no idea what's going to come up, but there are times when you can. And if you have the time, it's good to because then you can feel more confident in yourself and your ability to talk about that thing. Number six, um, sometimes translations don't work out. And this, the only example I could think of for this wasn't one of mine. It was one of my clients. So I'm not going to give all the details um, out of um, courtesy to them. but. Um, sometimes if you translate something, even if you don't use Google Translate or something, if you do it yourself and you do a good job, it still doesn't work in, in the other language. And that's why we have localization as well as translation. It's like the, the words may be exactly right in terms of what they mean. Um, but if you say one thing in one country, it, it may come across as fine and a positive thing. And if you say exactly the same words with exactly the same meaning in another country, it sounds terrible. And if you're trying to market your services or products, then um, yeah, <laughs> you probably won't sell them. Um, so it's something to be aware of. You know, you can do your best with the translation, but there are some things that just don't work in the other language or in the other country even, you know, even with languages that are spoken in, in two countries, like, I don't know, English spoken in the US and spoken in the UK. Some things come across a lot better in, in one of those countries than the other. So it's not just about the language, it's about really understanding the, the culture and the country where you're trying to market something. Sometimes that's learning by doing, sometimes you can get a second opinion, but it is, it's something to be aware of, something that I've come across a couple of times as well. Uh, number seven, yeah, that is kind of, yeah, joint number six, I've already gone into point seven before I meant to, but number seven is about um, English isn't used in the same way everywhere. So different countries is a good example of that. Sometimes different industries is a good example of that. Um, sometimes the language moves on and the examples that you may have seen from older language materials are not appropriate anymore. So it's just to be aware that language is a, a moving and changing thing. It's not used the same in the same way everywhere. And words that are popular now may not be in 20 years time and it works the other way as well. So just to be really observant, I guess that's the main um, piece of advice I was given for that, just to, to really listen and watch and be open to hearing and seeing how other people around you are using the language because they can be the, the best clues. This is real language in use, not somebody telling you how to do it in a book. It's seeing how people in the team interact with one another, seeing what language they use and what they avoid. Even if you've learned that you should always say a certain phrase, if no one in your office is using it, then maybe maybe that's had its time now um, and, and things have moved on. So it's just to be to know what you know, but also to be observant and, and listening and, and watching for how the language around you might change. Number eight. Um, number eight is about, um, it's not really a challenge, but it's a solution to some of the other problems is to, to make friends, um, make friends with other people who are using this 
language, whichever it is that you're learning English um, in a business context. Um, because business doesn't always have to be about doing business. Sometimes you can make friends with people with whom you're working, you know, at work. Maybe you can go and have coffee with somebody. Maybe you can, um, if you work for yourself, maybe you can find other self-employed people. And there are lots of opportunities for, for making friends. I know some people like to keep a really strict line that divides business and free time, and that's fine. Um, but there may be other ways for you to make friends with people in a business context. So if you don't want it to be to do with your business, maybe there are language exchange friends that you could make who are able to speak about um, learning English. But whatever it is, if you can find people with whom you can make friends, then it doesn't seem so bad if you make a mistake in front of them or well, they can help you. They can give you a second opinion. I've got some friends who will give me a second opinion on something in, in German. I try not to annoy them all the time with, with questions every day. But I know that if I've got an important question, there are people whom I can ask and he will give me some advice. And I would do the same for them, too. So it's a two way thing. You can't just take, take, take. But um, having friends can really help you out in situations like that. So it doesn't always have to be like a a strict business and, and free time division. You know, you can have friends who will help you in a business context as well. So I hope these tips and solutions have helped when it comes to some of the problems you can face when using English from another language. And have a good week and have fun learning English. And if you want to find any of the resources that I've referred to, I will link them on the show notes page. So this is episode... What episode is this? 169. So it will be englishwithkirsty.com slash podcast slash episode 169. Have a good week and have fun learning English. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the English with Kirsty podcast. If you have any questions or comments, my email address is kirsty at englishwithkirsty.com go to www.englishwithkirsty.com slash podcast where you'll find information about the individual episodes.